Welcome to the Start Here podcast for web development. I'm Keith Monahan, And I'm Dane Miller. And we're here to show you how to build a career in web dev. You can find us online at starthere.fm. Hey guys, welcome back. This week we are doing our next episode in the series on a website redesign that we're doing on our personal website for this podcast network, uh, starthere.fm. Keith, do you want to tell them what we're what we're doing this week specifically? Sure. So, well, let's see here. So last week we role-played as the client and then as the web developer, kind of discussing the project and asking questions about the depth. And what we did is um, we took some time and we came up with a proposal that as web developers that we would present to a client if we were going to build this project for somebody. And we came up with a price and some deliverables and action points and all of those things, and we put it into a document, and we're going to give this document to you guys. You can find it in our show notes. Uh, the website is starthere.fm slash webdev slash 16. Yeah, and if you guys wanted to pause and then pull up the proposal, you can sort of, I mean, we're not going to go through it word for word or anything, but if you wanted to look at it while we discuss it, it might be more valuable. Yeah, our whole purpose in doing this is that having clarification for each project is really, really important. Yep. I think we talked last time about setting expectations with the client about the revision cycle and making sure you describe that revision cycle. And that's really important. And so the proposal is where you can do that. It's also where you outline the entire project. And it's basically a roadmap. This is what you use going forward. And you come back to it and you can say, hey, you know, we talked about this or we didn't talk about that. So, Dane, what is the general structure of, of the proposal here? This is a proposal that I've used before, right? So usually in the world of web development, you don't really create a brand new proposal from scratch for each yeah. client. You'll just kind of make a template that that has all of the key points, and then you'll obviously delete the paragraphs and write them fresh for mm-hmm. the specific client. Uh, right. But to that effect, we do have a template here. And the basic template that I like to go with is the title, sam- uh, the proposal you know, on the first page with the client's name and then a little bit of information about you, perhaps where you live, your phone number and the name of your company or yourself if you're a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. Then we have some high level uh, points and we like to have paragraphs under each of these points and perhaps a lot of paragraphs. But but the high level points are project overview, our approach, the project scope and the timeline and budget. And then, like, at the end, we, we usually have a little section for About Us, and uh, that'll just have a little description about every everybody on the team that's going to be involved. Right. And sometimes that's important because maybe you're presenting this to somebody that doesn't already know you, and maybe it's important to, to provide that context for them. Maybe they haven't looked at your website. Totally. So, yeah, for sure. So let's dive into the project overview. So everything in this this proposal is totally up in the air and it depends on the project that you're quoting and if you have a small website project then maybe you don't need half of this or even less than half of what we're going to go over here but if your project is bigger it's more complicated Um, it should contain more specificity and and maybe more specifics about uh deliverables and some other things. So just keep that in mind. You know, you're going to look at this proposal probably. Just know that if you're going to write something 
for a smaller project, you could probably get rid of half of this stuff and it would still be adequate. So hopefully we'll cover some more of that as we go. Yeah, in the in the main meat of the proposal, you'll see if you pull up your copy is um, in the project scope or the deliverables rather. And well, I guess the scope and the deliverables. And, and that makes sense, right? The scope and the deliverables section should expand with the complexity. And likewise, it should decrease with the simplicity. And if you're just a, a web developer that works, um, you know, with, with friends doing freelance work on their websites or like, you know, on band websites or something, then you definitely don't need this. And a lot of the times, people will be turned off if you even present a proposal like this to them. Uh, so this is a type of a proposal usually best for an actual company, uh, not so much that not so much for like an individual person. So so let's just sort of clarify. I definitely did a proposal like this, but way smaller for my first client. Well, that's what it, I mean. It, like if you were to give a, this, if you were to give a proposal like oh, this like size, well, no, no, no. Like just, I was referring to like just the size of it, right? Like if you were to be like overly descriptive about everything and try to break things out like a little right. bit too much. And then you give that to some like, you know, one person band type guy that wants to create a website. He might yeah. be a little bit overwhelmed or not really know how to, to do it if it's his first rodeo, right? Yeah, it's got to be in line with the the size of the project and the client. So yeah. just just keep that in mind, yep. and hopefully we can make some, we can clarify that for you. So for the project overview, you know, StartHere.fm is seeking to create a new web experience that supports a multi-tenant podcast network. So a maximum of ten shows that have their own brand identity, but that also kind of coincides with the identity of the network as well. The primary function of the website is to facilitate people listening to the episodes and subscribing to the shows. And that's that's pretty much that's pretty much the overview and we're going to build off of that as we go. Yeah. So oftentimes in the overview for bigger clients, we just like to put a little introduction. Uh, you know, we like to put why we think maybe we're specifically. Yeah, almost like a cover letter. Yeah, it's it's very much like a cover letter, sort of like why you're the best fit for this job, sort of like mm -hmm. intro, why you're the best fit, like a little brief description of, of the functionality and then sort of just like some high level business points. I think uh, all of that together makes a pretty good project overview. Right. I mean, and you can kind of see this as it starts with very broad, in very broad terms. And then as you're going down the proposal, you're getting more detailed um, until you get to the very end where you've kind of described in um, still in broad strokes, right? Because you're not going to get super detailed. Yeah, it's not a spec document yet. And so the project scope is going to cover different aspects of the project itself. This can be different based on your project, but for this project, there's going to be an initial an initial section that's going to be like the design project kickoff, and that's going to be where we go over the the content inventory to understand the content exactly, and that's going to prompt some questions at, from the developer standpoint of like, what are the entities? You know, in our case, those are going to be shows and episodes and hosts and those kinds of things. I'm going to come away as a developer. I'm going to come away from that that meeting knowing uh, and hopefully knowing all and specific specifically what what kind of entity structure and functionality you know primary functionality yeah i totally agree i mean we could get rid of the word design because this is just a project kickoff really it's yeah. sort of a you know in in any project kickoff you'll probably go over the domain specific language i would probably say that 
nowadays I would specify in the agenda for this meeting. So, so let's back up a minute. The project scope consists of a bunch of different checkpoints, really, is how I like to think of it, in the okay. project. So typically the client will see this and they'll be like, what does this mean? What are all these um, subheadings in the project scope? Usually what you want them to understand is that at each of these points, we'll be moving into a different phase of the project. And mm. usually it's met with a meeting to kick off that phase. And if the project okay. grows in complexity, those kickoff meetings become more important and the project phases become more uh, in quantity, right? So yeah. but here we have this very simple phase, a project kickoff. And totally, I agree with you, Keith. Like, I think we'll come away from this phase with a great understanding of the domain language and, and the mappings, hierarchy, perhaps processes, services that we need. Right. And that will lead right into the next phase, which is the wireframe development. And so you can't really begin your deve- your wireframing until you know what to put on the page yeah what to, I mean, what data what like what to put on the page typically the wireframe development phase is it's it's funny because like it depends on if you're working with a client that has some kind of vision for the site and how it looks versus some client mm. that has no idea so that it, is so true if we're yeah. working with a designer and if we're like coming at this as an agency and like pretend um you know, this is like a digital agency that's submitting this proposal. Usually this wireframe development portion will happen entirely on our end. Like we will, we will of course have a questionnaire that we will send. And and in that questionnaire, we will ask tons of questions to gather what these people like what type of design do they like what do they want like and all that stuff but you know usually as an agency like we'll come away from that and sort of concatenate and connect all that data and try to come up with a wireframe thing that makes sense but what's really interesting is that's not the most frequent way that I've done it. The most frequent way that I've done this is like I'll have a client who has some vision of something mm-hmm. and I'll work with the client closely on wireframes. Hmm. What, what okay. is your experience? So my experience is that uh, we typically work with clients that don't have a lot of input into that stage at, at our agency. And so the wireframe development is usually something done internally, like what you were saying, but then we don't usually go back to the client with that. We typically um, go to the client in the next the next stage, which would be the, well, okay, so the next stage is static design concepts. Uh, we, we like to call those style tiles or style, gui- style guides, and we take those to the client to show various aspects of the design. But the wireframing is usually something we keep in-house. Yeah, you're right. That is interesting. I mean, we do, I think we do very different wireframing. Like um, the wireframe that we do is like in Photoshop and it's like using sort of just like grids and gray and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's like, it is kind of like a static design concept in a way, but it's it's right. it's a little bit more of an advanced wireframe. And that's just because okay. our designer prefers that way. But I think you're right. Like if we, if we were talking about wireframes, like literally pin drawn websites right like just pen kind of things yeah. uh then we would probably i agree we would keep that internal and probably okay. iterate on it over and over that's interesting right so this phase right we have the project kickoff where we get together with the client understand everything about the entities and the inventory of, of content and stuff like that but then the next phase in wireframe development that's that's more of an internal phase, right? So in the project proposal, this document that we're going over, we're just explaining to the client, hey, we're going to do the project kickoff, and then we're going to do the wireframing, and that's kind of going to be internal, and we're just going to, we're going to do that ourselves, yep. based on our experience. 
this is where you can come come forward. You can say, you know what, I have experience in the industry. I have an expertise, and I can provide value in in, in structuring your site so it's you know it's in line with I guess with the structure of other web pages in such a way that people understand how to use it. Yeah, I mean, no, I feel like we're combining two terms here. And normally in the wireframe section, we will combine these and it's information architecture and wireframe development. So it's like okay. the information architecture, we want to think about what are the data blobs that this site produces, like the entities that we spoke about. And then in this section, obviously, uh, which I think you touched on, like we will see how we can place those on the screen. Like, okay, well, the description should go here-ish. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a little metadata, so it shouldn't be a problem or there is a ton of metadata and we have to create a whole new page for it. Like those types of decisions uh, we might make here as well. And those are more like information architecture type decisions. And those don't really oftentimes... I mean, I feel like it's one or the other. Like, it's either the wireframes get run by the client and they're interested in that, or it's like the information architecture gets mm-hmm. run by the client and they're interested in that. Like, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, actually, this morning I spent four hours doing information architecture. I hmm. consumed too much information for one of our clients in a subject that's not very fun. Um, but I had to consume this to try and understand how to display it to the user in a way that made sense and would actually be a good sales presentation because it is a a business website. So this brings up a really good point that I just want to caveat this section with. And this is the concept of treating your clients like the domain experts that they are. So Hmm. your client knows the domain. You don't. You know how to build websites. It doesn't mean that just by the very nature of the fact that you know how to build websites does not mean you know best how to build a plumbing website. You might know how best to build a website that's about plumbing because you understand how to build websites, but a plumber that is familiar with the web could probably tell you how to best display his data appropriate to his industry. Yeah, and that has to do with understanding the customer, right? I mean, that ultimately that comes back to the plumber knows their customer and if the plumber is also at least a, a little bit web savvy, then they're going to be able to say, oh, well, this makes sense and this doesn't. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like if you were to try to do the information architecture yourself, you might say, oh, you know what? I don't really care about the toilet selection in my house. Like I don't really care so much about that. So when I go to the plumber's website and it's like giving me deals on like different toilets I could buy or whatever, because maybe he does sells toilets. I don't know. That's not a plumber, but, um, <laughs> I get but it. yeah, like that could be information that's not important at all that me and you think is like really important or vice versa. Whereas the plumber will say, Oh, you know what? Everybody buys a service from me, not mm-hmm. a toilet, even though I sell toilets. That's kind of a side thing. Like they buy this service. Yeah. Let's present that data to the top. And that, you know, little things like that, because uh-huh. people I find will often, I feel like freelancers will often take what their client says for granted a little. Mm-hmm. Or they'll 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 take what the the client says and then run it through their filter and then not reprocess it without the filter. And that's hard to do. And I I did a bit of that this morning where I was thinking through. I'm like, okay, well, this is what the customer or this is what the client has said. But what what else do I know about the client? What else do I know about their customers? And I actually did make a few tweaks that that were more in line with with you know what I knew the the client wanted to do 
I, I guess this comes back to like if this is something you don't know enough about, then it's something you should take back to the customer. Right. Or to, to the client. You should you should take if you're doing the information architecture before the wireframing and it's something that you're not grasping or you're a little iffy about, just take it back to them like, hey, is does this is this in line with, with what you know of your customers? Well also I would say if you don't have all the information that you need and you're trying to do the information architecture, you did not have a good enough first Mm -hmm. section so the first section you need to do the business analysis the domain language and stuff like that and you if you are in the information architecture and you don't yet understand the vertical there's a problem there i mean it's Mm -hmm. you as a freelancer you're not expected to become an expert in every vertical you just have to be a sponge for the months that you're building this project like Mm -hmm. right there's no way around that yeah and so the the information architecture it feeds right into the wireframe development um and i think you know, that's the stage that we actually do at our design firm, but it's nothing that we talk to the client about, usually. Sometimes we do. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it just helps us understand the project, and it feeds into the wireframe, which we also don't usually discuss with the client, um, depending on the project size. Right. So what is the next section? Yeah, so uh, let's see here. Well, so after wireframe development, they're going to do static design concepts, and we hit on that a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned at my agency we do we do style tiles, and so we might do a few different style tiles, and those are those are created by our our designers. And what they do is they they understand the brand. So we're a branding agency, so normally we get to work with the brand from the beginning. Sometimes we're helping them create not only their logo, but maybe even helping them come up with their name their slogan and their vision and that's really really exciting and so sometimes our designers understand these companies very well and so they can get into the very core of the business and create sometimes two or three style tiles and the style tiles just show design elements for basically it's the a feeling right you're seeing colors and and maybe some fonts and images and things like that that have a feeling attached to them um, and those are what we usually give to the client to, to pick between. How, how have you worked with design, design concepts? So I feel like the design concepts phase is a really sort of fundamental uh, phase because it's the, the, only, the problem I'm having is like the design concepts phase being before development is like only if you're doing waterfall, right? And I feel like a lot of people might just jump right into development. Well, I, I mean, at least with regular business websites, it, it ends up taking me longer to develop it if I start developing before I have the design. Because I can develop the website with the design in mind and do it more quickly than if I had to come back and then restyle my development. I guess I meant like the back end because the back end doesn't really matter about the right. design. So yeah. you've been a WordPress developer, though, so they're all sort of interrelated. It is very it's it's more tightly coupled, yeah, it is than than a typical back end framework so the the static design concepts phase for me is caveated with the fact that you might not be doing static designs before development, and I've worked with certain startups where they just prefer to sort of jump into development and use like bootstrap or some mm-hmm. kind of theme to apply a really nice looking theme to the website, but they kind of don't have money for a designer perhaps or they just don't want one or don't care and they just want to kind of jump into functionality and as a freelancer uh especially a new freelancer you should be open to that like that's a totally legit 
thing. And some people just prefer to do that. So if you run into that situation, then obviously you won't need this section, right? Right. Well, and you could do it, you could do it in tandem, but I guess it also depends on the size of the project and the technology you're using. Because if you have a, your typical backend framework, like uh, Ruby, uh, Ruby on Rails or Laravel with PHP, there's, I think there's more of a line between your view and the, the application. Whereas I guess, you know, I work with WordPress all the time and it, it feels very much like the backend is very close to the front end. And so it's, well, it seems that delineation is important, but, but also, I mean, what I was getting at was what if, you know, you get approached by a startup, they want to pay you $3,000 to do a quick first draft of like a prototype, but they don't want a designer. Mm. So what okay. you'll do is, is, you know, you'll use bootstrap or something. You'll, you'll think of the UI for sure. Like, you know, I was just getting at like, you know, there is the option where this doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, yeah. But in that case, obviously ignore this, but, but I, I agree. I think the static concepts for the design are important. The client usually wants to iterate on this phase a couple times. Like you'll go back and forth a couple times. And then once you lock this down, then, you know, put it, have you noticed that this is the longest phase? It is one of the longer phases to, to do. I think our designers usually take a bit of time to create these. I mean, you, you can't just create unique and fun designs out of thin air, you know, in an hour, it takes time. And so as far as internal processes, it does take a bit longer. In our experience with the clients, uh, we've had pretty good success where we've been able to show one or two style tiles to a client. And usually they pick one without any adjustments. Cool. But you got to realize like that is the website process is at the end of our kind of our client process where we've already gone through and we've done, you know, branding and logo and slogan and maybe business cards and print material. And so I think that the client at that point is pretty comfortable with our understanding of his brand. Yep. So it's, it is a little bit different in that regard. Totally. Let's put a pause here because the rest of the proposal depends entirely on the project. Right. So if you have a little project, you're not going to have maybe any of these. If you have a big project, you're probably going to have a ton more. And then beyond this section, we have the timeline and budget section. And again, Mm -hmm. all of the listeners can go and check out this proposal just to see what it's like. But I will say we're not going to continue the conversation into this section because it's super specific and it differs for each of you. It's going to differ for every project you do. Real quick, though, before we wrap up the proposal, just to sort of touch on the timeline and budget, because I know a lot of the listeners are probably going to have the hardest time with the budget section. Um, So in the project scope here in the sample proposal that we've provided to you, you'll see a a list. And at first you might think this is a a list of deliverables and you can do that. You can put every single deliverable here and that's totally Mm -hmm. fine. A plus. But oftentimes we don't yet at this phase know all of the deliverables. We know some or most uh, hopefully we know all of them, but, but oftentimes being realistic, we don't know them all. We just know the broad strokes, you know, perhaps we know the, you know, a little bit more detail in the broad strokes, but we definitely don't know the very fine detail yet. Um, right. and what that means is this list tends to just be kind of like some high level things that mm-hmm. make the client, uh, feel as though you understand the project. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what, you know, we wanted to mention here in this section for all of the, all of you listeners, like 
just make sure you put enough here so that the client knows that you understand it. And then the client is going to read the project payment breakdown and the client better think that you have broken down this project appropriately, right? So that is (laughs) like your bid gets accepted based on whether or not the client thinks you have a certain clarity of thought. It's almost like, you know, based on clarity of thought in a lot of ways. So just make sure that, you know, you do the scope well and you break down the project payment schedule in a logical manner. Usually we do three payments. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you guys do. Yeah, well, it depends on the size of the project. Yeah, totally. But in this case, Dana and I discussed what we would charge if somebody approached us and wanted us to build exactly what we're what we're asking for what we're going to build here and and we we priced it right around twenty to twenty five thousand dollars and we think that's fair but at the same time it we came away with different numbers depending on what platform we used we would use to build it um, and so again that kind of plays into it as well there's some information for you about the proposal um, you can go ahead and you can look at that you can even take this feel free to to take it and copy it and remove stuff and add stuff, whatever you want. We don't, we don't care. You can run with it. Um, if you need to use it for a proposal, um, we'd like to dive right into dissecting more about the project domain, um, like the domain terminology and some of the, the entities. And I, I typically start a project this way so that I can know more about more about how the wireframing should go, which is kind of, which is the next step. Yeah, totally. I think it's the the exact next step. So um, if you guys are listening, the conversation that we're about to jump into, like Keith said, I think is the conversation that most people have after a proposal is submitted. Basically what happens is the proposal gets submitted and then you'll have sort of like a regroup. And everybody will group back up and they will say, okay, we're all here for real this time. Like we're all committed. Like everybody's Mm -hmm. had contracts signed and you'll sit down and you'll just do kind of like what Keith and I are about to do in a few minutes. Yeah. And so this is a sort of a mini experiment that I'm trying where I'm, I'm seeing what this whole like domain driven design concept is about. Uh, so what, you know, what that means is there's this sort of like software programming philosophy that sort of came up in the last couple of years that is interesting in a way. And, and what it's based on is thinking about your business, uh, terms really closely and then mapping those terms to, to methods and functions and actions in the back end. So like at the Hmm. very beginning of the project, we would ask ourselves, what are the domain terms in the world of podcasting like that that's one yeah. the word podcast yeah. uh the word episode publish show, show schedule uh user listener host guest show notes comments reviews right like all of these are domain language terms and uh some of them are entities some of them are like value objects you know action yeah some of them are actions processes services so but we can just be very basic here right so we have a show. Let's do, uh, right, Steve's. Uh, let's use Google's thing. We have a show episode. Uh, we have a user that can have many roles, like a guest, host, a listener, uh, and maybe even a podcaster. Like, say we want uh, another person to come in and, and do a podcast. Well, we need a way for him to log in and do his thing, so we need a role for that podcaster. It w- would do you mean host by that or what do you mean uh well so that's a good point so so what i was getting at with that was i feel like there's sort of this level of 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 structure um 
if you if you think of the bottom as the most powerful going all the way up like this so it okay. would look like this and basically what i'm getting at here is a host could exist that doesn't actually do the uploading and scheduling and yes. posting right so I, okay. i'm a host and i show up every week and i talk to my buddy and then i go away and then that the podcaster is the one that actually goes in and he's like an editorial kind of got uh, level permissions and he can post mm -hmm. but he can't delete or anything Hmm. Maybe podcaster so, isn't the right word there. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying because there's going to be some hosts who don't interact with the system at all. Yeah. Um, and then there will be some hosts that do. And we had heretofore only thought about um, using hosts as just data points, essentially, mm -hmm. to display on the site. But we could... Okay, so the question is, do you want to have a separate... Do you want to have a separate system for users on the site than you do for hosts? Well, so what I'm getting at is I think uh, I think we can combine these ideas. I think we can combine the idea of presenting this this stuff in the view layer, like what the UI mm -hmm. is, looking really good, like with your list idea, and then also you know we can have this section where people can actually log in. Like we could have a, a guy who is doing another show. He could log in. He could uh, he could post his show, schedule his show, create an RSS feed for a show because. The reason I say that's a possibility is 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 because we're already building that for ourselves here. Yeah. So it would take you know a trivial amount of work to to expose that to mult, multiple users, right? Right. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. I think that each each show should have people who can edit it, and maybe that's maybe that looks more like a user on the an admin or a user or whatever on the system can be can be assigned to one show or multiple shows sure well if we do it through a role then it will be a mini to a mini to mini mapping right so we'll use this role concept so these are roles and then we can do end-to-end okay. -end, uh mapping so so let's this is sort of that dsl question like the domain language question like what do you call a host that also publishes and schedules and does all the administrative work of a show so i mm -hmm. guess that would be the delineation between me and you if we were to think of it that way. Yeah, or we just say that every host... Yeah, we could say that every host has access to the system. Yeah, okay. So you're saying, let's just simplify that in any host... Like, the term host, by in and of itself, by by its definition to us now, means a user that can, if they want, have access to publish and schedule and edit their show. Yes, okay. yes, I, th I, th I think that's fair, and and there's going to be on on our end as admin, of course, we'll be we'll have the ability of hosts, but we'll also be super admin or whatever, where we can go and we can say, oh hey, this host can only work on this show. Is that a permission we'll have to set? Well, so this is, what do you mean? Well, what if what if a host is a guest host on another show? Right. Yeah. So does that so automatically give them abilities to work on that? other show no because then in that show they would be a guest right so these are people so this is why we abstract this to people yes and yeah so exactly and then here i'm just putting a little definition because it's it's important the more reading that i do it's it it, it seems to be important to like define and stick with these definitions mm -hmm. yeah and that's good to write it out so a guest is just 
just basically a, a guest is like one level above a, a regular user with no permissions. So a guest can appear on a show but has no uh, like access to the back end or anything at all really right it's just like an entity yeah. in the database it's almost like a almost a value object yeah for sure for sure um okay i like that and then when i have uh, a guest on my show and i'm going to in the database or in, in the back end i'm gonna select which guests are on my my episode that selection process is going to pull from quote guests and from hosts right it'll pull from people yes yeah. exactly. but Thank but regardless of um yeah so it's funny because th- this this sort of list type mapping that i'm doing here might uh, make this ambiguous but but what i think is important to keep in mind is regardless of whether you choose a host or a guest on an episode um Obviously, you're choosing people, but it doesn't really affect the roles, right? Because yes. the roles right. are almost like a product of what type of entity the person is being mapped to. So an episode mm-hmm. should never trigger any kind of a role if a person's being added to it, right? And For sure. And this is part of that like interesting use of this. So like when we get later into this project, like using this sort of domain-specific language, we could do things like, like user. You know, you know, if we really make sure that we flesh out these la- this language, uh, we can have very verbose and explicit methods that define sort of what we were talking about, right? Yeah, I think it could be, I don't know how to talk about it, but, you know, like a function of guest. So you have, sure. maybe you have an object of guests that can, that can be associated with an episode. So your episode can have guests and that guests, that guest, it, it is an object of people. And those people, it doesn't matter where those people come from. So because people are all, people in the database are all going to be the same except for except that uh some of them are going to be called co-hosts uh, hosts and some of them are going to be called guests uh in some sort of label you know like title or yeah for sure yep. something like this maybe yep. Yep. Some, basically or i mean obviously in the database this will be a separate table it won't just be a but, but no for the episode it will be right i mean essentially like, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna be serving up json it's gonna essentially it's going to be like this episode mm-hmm and then guests and then guests is going to be any people yeah. in the database totally for sure yeah so theoretically yeah 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 okay so let's so let's continue on here so it's uh this is sort of self-explanatory um okay so we have some entity so an episode user show let me look at my notes here so okay so we have another entity we have comments yeah. um we also inside of our domain which is more than just our website so our domain is podcast creation and the the Mm -hmm. podcast industry as a whole here sort of in a way so inside of that domain i would also kind of put reviews Hmm. like itunes reviews so because they're so important to us as podcasters what we might do is we might create like an admin area that shows us this or yeah or where we can you know like well can you uh, what do you mean i guess if you can't programmatically pull reviews from itunes then maybe it would be beneficial for us to be able to display those reviews on the website somewhere and so we might have to manually add them to the website totally and can you not programmatically get those reviews 
So I'm assuming you can, and but if you can't, then that changes my mind on this. But like, yep, you get what sure. I why I put this here, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if it's an admin thing, yeah. I think because well, you never know important. when you might want to display those. And so the thing I like about adding comments in here, uh, I mean, obviously we want comments, but I mean, it just it, once they're in the database, we can display them however we want and on any device we want. So you could do it on a mobile phone or on the desktop or whatever. Analytics aren't an entity. What are they? Analytics. We will have tons of different types of analytics that we want to track, like downloads, listens, plays on websites, Um, maybe location based. iTunes. Yeah, location of listeners. Well, yeah, so then a lot of this is Google Analytics, but some of it's custom. Uh, And this is sort of, you could call this an analytics service so these could be like services like this is just different sections of the app in a way so like this wraps functionality so this is pretty much it though right what about the rss generator is that a service oh yeah yeah so exactly yeah so that would be sort of like a um you could do it in a couple ways. If we were to not be be thinking about this in a domain-specific way, you might have a programmer make something like this, like RSS service. But because we're trying to think of this in a domain way, we might have a service called Create Podcast. And inside of it, it might have an RSS so, generation uh, create method. show. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Because I think podcast is show. interchangeable yeah, between show and episode sometimes. And it's in its. Um, I agree. It's we should. Confusing for me. Yeah. And I, I was actually thinking a minute ago before we started, like we abstracted the name mm-hmm. podcast show, right? Is there a word that we want to maybe use in place of episode? Hmm. Is there ever going to be a show with a with us with an episode that's not called an episode? Well, I think the very. That's I think that the the very hmm, the way that podcasts are syndicated typically weekly or bi-weekly or something like that they are kind of episodal in nature totally right but what if one day we do a live show that doesn't mm. does that have episodes i don't know i, I mean guess that's the hard part right i mean if it's syndicated and it's like kind of like a tv show where it's you know there's episodes and it's it could be called that. I think for for our purposes, I think we can so, call them shows and episodes. Yeah. Okay, I agree. Are we ever going to have clarifying question? Are we ever going to have shows without episodes, and are we ever going to have an episode episodes without shows? I don't think so. I mean, if we an example of a show without episodes is a live show, a one off live show. It doesn't have to live or in some, inside something. That could be. Yeah, it doesn't have to live in. Yeah, it, I guess. So the reason I asked that question is because I guess we would never have episodes without shows, right? If we were going to have that, we would just call it another – Or we would it just could call it simply show. be um, something like a blog post that doesn't require any kind of you know, previous or next um, – Hmm, I wonder if we should do this. Is this, am I confusing? I'm I'm confusing, I think. Well, yeah, so I think that, um, I think that, yes, right, okay. 
Yeah, okay. that's, that's okay. So we're going to have shows, and each show can have its own episode, and we'll have users or people or whatever, and then comments, and then blog posts. And so episodes won't necessarily be referred to as posts because episodes will always be in relation to only one specific show. Whereas a blog post might be, well, I guess this is a question, is a blog post going to be universal to the net, to, to the site or is it going to be, to, I mean, to the network? Or will you have blog posts that are specific to the show or both? Should we... That's a good question. It also makes me think, should should we have these entities? Definitely, for sure, we should. But should we structure them in a hierarchical pattern such that there's a parent entity called post, and below that are a number of things? You can do an audio post, which is an episode. You can do a blog post hmm. or text, like a blog post, and then... Well, that is interesting. I, 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 okay, so I was going to propose something, and I think I like how this where where you're headed here, because I was going to say you could post a you could do a blog post and then simply assign it to a show, and then what it would do is it would uh, effectively, it would become a non audio okay, episode. That's an interesting point. It, uh, it, I don't. It's exactly like think what this you're, is a good idea, though. Okay, well, it's exactly what you were talking about here, and the only difference is that. Um, I guess there isn't a difference, but it would show your blog post, your text-only post would be in line with the other episodes. So I I do see why this could be interesting, and there is some sort of benefits to doing it this way, in a, in a way. But, like, what would you... But when I look at this, I don't think this is very domain-specific. Like, this is... Yeah. It's almost like I'm trying to... Uh, well, it's ha- almost like I'm I'm creating an association that doesn't need to exist. Yeah, I think so. Well, and then I was thinking that you know, what do you, how do you handle a non-audio post to the show RSS feed? Like, what does iTunes do with that? You're not allowed to do that. Okay, so the, the feeds are very specifically formatted. Okay, so and they're very locked down. We would get- with RSS generator, we would just ignore uh, posts that didn't have any audio. So the reason that I just like didn't want to do that method that okay. I just described above is because I think it it makes questions like what you're asking. Okay. And and if we just think of it very simply like restfully um like when you have a show uh you know and then when you do show.add episode or whatever it will create the episode, you know, mm-hmm. here you pass it like the episode params and it should this this method should like trigger uh, you know, like add to parent feed or something, okay. and then you pass it the episode in like atom format or yeah. like are you know, and then that's it, right? I think if we have like this abstracted post type, you start getting into these weird issues of like, oh, I have to filter out like, you know, you know, like show dot add episode post. What if you do that? And it's like, oh, I need all this validation now, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, and you no, don't really. That's fine. It, so we don't need to do. Oh man, I can't, but but do we need to do blog posts? Well, so the, what I'm envisioning is that's a separate thing entirely. Okay. If we just want to stay with this like domain specific language, like so, what would you call? I, I guess so, so. Like if we think of this like domain specific language, what would a blog post or what would a blog 
be in the podcasting industry? Like, what is the concept of a blog as it relates to this industry? Well, your show notes act as a kind of blog post. Um, as a, it's true. As well as they like they carry the audio file, and then they act as a blog post. Essentially, they. I mean, that's how it's done now. With at least with WordPress, how we're using it, but is is it important to even do that is it important to even have an an element of blog post because your primary medium in this kind of a network is your show and then of course you're going to have your other social media social media outlets where like twitter or facebook or something else you could have other conversations ooh conversations hmm. i actually really like okay hmm. so I, I actually like this concept. What if we do this? This this cleans up. This this maybe is the same as like what I didn't want to do, but but you're right. This blog post idea doesn't make sense because our show is the primary thing that we're trying to communicate through. So why even make something like a blog if we're just going to half-ass it, mm-hmm. right? Like, so what if, you know, we have uh, posts on each show, and if we really need to make a text post, maybe we build it. Maybe we make this just in case, right? Mm. Um, and maybe we can corral all the text posts into a page, like slash show, slash ID, slash posts log or something or uh, yeah log and it's just like all the text stuff and in the feed hmm. doesn't include it it's like totally but but it's still within this domain hierarchy here mm-hmm. i f- mm-hmm. feel like this is still sort of like confusing but it, but it's a no. little cleaner yeah i mean that's what we both initially thought of i mean we both yeah. came to that same conclusion so yeah uh, we could just do it and I don't think that adds too much validation logic. I mean, now we will have to do things like exclude posts of certain types. But, I mean, if we just have a type column, that's pretty clear. Yeah, it and wouldn't easy, be that right? hard to do. No, to not at all. It. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, well, we could do that. So I, I actually really dig this. Um, actually, the RSS feed could pick up shows that are only, only um, defined as audio. Because what if we wanted to add... Excuse me. What if we wanted to add uh, like video posts and stuff like that? Right. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. So this isn't probably a good idea, but but what I'm getting at here is like, what if? So so there is this concept of the episode. The episode is like an entity. It's directly linked to the show, mm-hmm. but. Every show also has this feed, and a feed consists of just different types of things. It can be text, audio, or video, and maybe the slash show page for, on the website displays all of them. Okay. Right? Uh, but, but then the Yeah, but perhaps the iTunes feed doesn't, right? Because it only wants this one. Um, okay. You know, I th- because what the, what this does is this allows us to do a little bit of the stuff that we've wanted to do, like yeah. screencasts and right. have them show up in line. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think this is important to do, to add the functionality where your your um, your show page, it would be able to stylistically show your, your video posts, your audio posts, your text posts, so that you can have a broader conversation around your podcast. Or even if it's not even, maybe it's not even a podcast. Maybe you have a show and all it is is videos, right? In which case you, totally. you wouldn't have a... Um, 
an RSS feed that would, you know, be consumable by iTunes because iTunes only wants audio, but that's okay. Who says that it has to be, a show has to be a podcast? This is perfect. Okay. And so we'll have to have um, maybe two RSS feeds or do we... Oh, do we sorry, I put this incorrectly has yeah has many posts and then these are just called posts not post types perfect so uh a feed can have many posts and then an episode has one feed and uh the feed has many posts and it can only have a feed of type audio so i should change that has one feed uh no no no, no. actually it has many feeds but it only has them but it only wants... Well, okay, so this is an interesting question. If iTunes can only consume... For, as a, Speaking for podcasts, if iTunes can only consume RSS feeds styled like it should be um, that have audio, then maybe maybe if we want to provide an RSS feed for everything else, then we need to, ha- we need to generate two RSS feeds. One that is audio only, made for iTunes, essentially, and then the other one has everything else that would be your typical... Um, your typical like blog RSS feed. Yeah, for sure. So, so okay, that is awesome. And what what I okay, dude. So this is cool. So if we built this, do you know what this would result in? Say we're doing a show. There's an audio component, and that's all we think about. We do a couple episodes, and then after the first couple episodes we want to do a video show or like Mm -hmm. sorry we want to start doing video episodes but we want to switch it up video once a week show once a week in itunes you can't actually submit the same show as a video show and and an audio show i mean you can but um but what would be really interesting is we can use this model and take the video and audio feeds and split them out and brand them separately create the rss feeds separately we could even keep the branding the same the point is the video feed has different formatting right. from the audio feed. So right. using this model, we can easily say iTunes, boom, here you go, two feeds. I don't know. This is kind of does cool. Does iTunes consume video RSS? Video VRSS? Like, do they have, like, V-blog? They have or? a video. Yeah, they know they have a whole category of podcasts called video podcasts. I did not know that. Yeah, and the feed's different. The, you know, you can watch, it, you know. Well, then absolutely we should we should have a video rss generator in there and it would be dependent and it would just it would literally um it would be it wouldn't have to be set up or anything like that it would just happen based on whether you said that this post was video or audio so the cool thing is we can have a feed generation service that takes a type and Uh it just knows how to generate itself yeah interesting Some places can accept, uh, so for instance, Roku, we're, we're building a Roku app in the late 2015, and I read their developer documentation. They just want an RSS feed as well, specifically formatted hmm. for video. So, I mean, it's mm. like a lot of benefits here. Ooh, are they going to use the same format as iTunes? I don't know, but they did specifically say it was the same. It was a standard video RSS feed format. Okay. So I assume iTunes. iTunes usually wants a little bit of a different format. They they like Atom, which is 
the uh, Atom is basically RSS 2.0, so it's mm-hmm. like a superset to RSS that right. it extends and enhances it, that every single thing that takes RSS takes also takes Atom. Um, so this will we'll mostly be dealing in Atom, but we'll call it RSS. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so this is pretty, this is getting pretty thorough here. Uh, okay, I think, can you see any other gaps or holes here? I mean, we could keep going on and on about these services, but, like, that's not really the point of this conversation. It was just yeah. to sort of define some of this, like, higher-level language. So comments can be on episodes? Yeah, or no, comments, comments can be on posts? So our comments, even the word that we want. So we also want, so there is, so this isn't an entity. This is just something else. But we want a forum, right? How do we talk about that? What do we call it? What do we, are there conversations? Are they posts? Are they topics? Are they? I think that each post can have one conversation. But we don't even have to call it. In the database, we don't have to call it conversation. I, th- I just think that. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that each post, whether it's video, audio, or text, you should be able to have a conversation around. And that is, I mean, sure. essentially that's comments, right? But Yeah, so has one, it's almost like has many comments or something yes. associated to it. So what do we call, I mean, we can choose a different language for this. I mean, do we still, do we want to call it a forum? Do we want to call it posts and comments? I don't think I want to call it a forum. I, 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 I Me like, either. I like the idea of of it being kind of ubiquitous with the rest of the site where it's just a discussion or a conversation. And, you know, if it was, what if we did this? What if this is, uh, incredibly abstract and I can undo this, but what if there's, here's something that's fun. Go ahead. So here we go. So, let's see. Yeah. 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 And then we also have this concept along. I can't get this bullet to go on back. Whatever. I'll just use this. So there's this concept of curated content, and then there's this concept of user content. Like yeah. there's mm-hmm. our content, mm-hmm. and then user content. Mm-hmm. And, and go ahead. Go ahead. I'm super excited about this. I know. Me too. <laughs> the user content for people who are logged in, or maybe even not for people who are logged in, is in line with our content. Okay, so <laughs> right? Did you catch yeah, what I said? Totally, I I did, and I love it. So so that um so it's almost like the same thing. It's a conversation. It literally okay. is a conversation, and so we have we have a show, and the show has episodes, or the show has posts. Okay, yeah. Some of those are audio, video, text, but then anybody who is a part of the conversation, they can add a post to the show and then people can have conversations about it and we can have conversations about it but maybe by default those conversations are collapsed so okay so what if instead of i like the idea that you're getting at but i don't know if i want i don't know if i agree that like having them in line in the feed is a good idea but what if so what if we simply exposed all the powerful tools that we have uh-huh. to do all of this okay. to them, but because they're a different user type, mm-hmm. we aggregate 
consolidate and display the data in the UI in a different area. Hmm. Maybe the same, maybe a close by area, maybe a nearby area, maybe it's in line even. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that one, but like, you know, we could theoretically, theoretically, uh, you know, use the groupings of this content and this type to put them in a forum section. Mm hmm. Even if they, you know what I mean by that? Like, oh, totally. It's very generic. Yeah, yeah. So we could, um, so I really like that. I really like that idea. I like having the general populace having an account, but it's just a basic user account and then, or a listener account or whatever. And then they also can post video and audio and stuff like that. But I, I, I think there is really something compelling about having that conversation in line with the curated content. It, it is different, but it is so user-centric, and it literally pulls the listeners into the conversation. And if we included a voting system, voting up, voting down, we could have a, curate, we could have a listener-curated experience similar to how reddit is is curated okay so what is the best way to and represent then, this and then by default when you go to the page what you see is you see all of the you see the curated content and then you just see a small indicator that says hey this is user generated content is between episode one and episode two there's some sort of somebody posted something here and there's a conversation going on if you want to view it you can expand that conversation and see it. Okay. So, uh, so, okay. So it's almost like there's, um, it's like the show content or the full conversation. Yeah. It's almost like Twitter in a way where you can click on a card and like see the conversation around it, Uh like a tweet or whatever. So it's like, imagine that our show is listed on a page and it's all the episodes in line, like in an accordion. Mm -hmm. And then you click on one of the episodes. It shows the episode play thing, the details, the description, the title, and then a collapsed accordion within that, that is like conversation going on around this episode. Then you click that and it expands all that conversation. Yes. But I, obviously that UI is terrible, but the point is, well, not necessarily. I mean, that's what Twitter does. All right. Yeah. But the point is like with this functionality, we could do that. Right. Yeah. But I'm even saying maybe even allow people, maybe not video and audio posts, but maybe even allow people to post like text posts directly into the feed that if you view it, if you have the filter set right, you would view those text posts in the same level as a, as a podcast, as an episode. So, okay. So let's do this. So all of these types of users can can have some editorial management mm-hmm. or like action over uh-huh. uh wait a minute maybe not maybe you can't add a guest or something to this isn't supposed to be like a i'm combining diagrams here like <laughs> this isn't supposed to be like i understand I th- right right this is a permit this is a, the, the one you just had highlighted was permissions based and then the one up here is more functionality yeah, I feel like this is almost just like note. Uh, I'm combining multiple things here. So yeah, let's just pretend this is a domain-specific language diagram, and then also just like there's some semblance of of permissions here too. Sure. So th- so these people have permissions for all of this, but let's put some restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this maybe uh, for video only. Yep. Like you know, n- like not 
only hosts not and admin. user. Yeah, like not user, right? Like only these people. Well, let's. What, well, what do you want to call but, this? Okay, but think about this. If we allow this kind of a conversation, then we're going to have guests on our show that are people. What if yeah. we give them an account and we say, "Hey, as a guest, you can actually engage in the conversation as well and be and okay. be and be annotated as a guest." The and they can do video too. What if we could? Ooh. They can do video responses. Oh, I like that, but but not a regular. What do we want to call this level? The the most basic user. They come to the account, register, log in. Uh, they have access to create text posts, probably, but that's it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, so the they name? can do text posts, and then they can comment on anything else. Sure. Comment, um, yeah, text posts. They can do text posts on any entity, which when you do when you combine those two, you call it a comment, right? So you're saying they wouldn't be able to create a text post? No, I'm saying they would be able to create text posts on any entity, which make that that's called a comment, right? I'm just generically abstracting the word comment away and saying I let's call it text posts, and you can make a post in quotes on any entity. Even a show. Right. A show, an episode. Okay. A, maybe a comment can have text posts, right? Which okay. that would just mean a okay. post has posts, whatever. Yep, 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 yep. So, and so, but if you put, if a um, fan, follower, member, yeah, member's fine. If a member puts a text post on the show, it is put in line with your other curated podcasts. Okay. So, but. You you filter that in different ways. Yeah. So by default, totally right. man, that is that is a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, can you imagine? Can can you think? Can you can you imagine like how how engaging that would be f- from a community standpoint? Highly. Yeah. Do we want every member that is at the bo- most basic level of of registration? All they did was register. Do we really want to allow them to be able to post on everything, or should we have a, a should we have an intermediary layer? So hmm. here is the intermediary layer, and then there's also maybe a basic membership where they okay. can't do much. So this is similar to Reddit kind of right well what if yeah i mean what i'm thinking is maybe like a stack overflow thing like they listen to a few shows and they listen to a few episodes maybe they might make a few comments Mm -hmm. uh just regular text posts on an episode uh but but then after that maybe they make five then they become a member and becoming Mm -hmm. a member means the comments that they make actually show up in line Mm -hmm. or something like that right maybe then they can access that audio Mm -hmm. as well it would it would decrease uh spam so we'll do this, like not guest, and then we'll do, um, uh, Wait. not guest only on episodes or something like that. But so the, what do you mean the, by guest? So, so we have this. So, so let's come up oh, with a guest. name for these. Oh, okay, yeah, because guests, we, there's guests for sure. Sh- okay, yeah. So, um, so okay, so we have a we have this concept of a member now. So let's change this around a little bit. So the guest is a hundred percent anonymous person, not well, registered or logged in. But, right. But we were referring, we were. I don't know if I want to use guest because we're we're talking about having guests on shows. Yeah, I know. Let's let's, so let's try create to come a, up with some... a new name for the the basic. But what if it's just a basic user? Yeah. So let's just let's just write some basic okay. language here. Real basic. Quick. And then uh, members, yeah. So the guest is actually this, and then this is member. Or yeah. Um, or sorry. So so. 
Yeah, so th- this is confusing because there's guests on shows. Visitor, yes. Thank you. There we go. That's why it was confusing. Okay. So now we have these, the correct, this is the correct hierarchy here. Um, so basic is just registered, has listened to less than X number of things and done, no, let's just say has done less than, we can't track listens. Done less than X actions. We can, well, yeah. we can, the point is we're going to have some way there's of a, doing this, but we don't know what it is. Right. There's some sort of a um, qualifier. Yeah. And that's maybe here, actions. Yep. And then the member is somebody who has done those those actions. Okay. Yep. Who, uh, yep. Who uh, uh, has qualifier. Yes. Right. And then... Let's say, I hate this word guest. It's totally tripping me up now. Why? Because it is the correct term for a member or, you know, somebody who comes on a podcast, they're a guest. But when you think of it in the terms of a website, it's strange because usually you do refer to people that are anonymous as guests. Yeah. Yeah. But not in the, I mean, hmm. Oh, that's actually a good point. Like, this is domain specific. Mm-hmm. A guest is on an episode. It's, you know, if this were another domain, maybe we would not have this, right? Right, right. So, for podcasting, at least, it's definitely important to leave this. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, all of these, let's see here. Well, as far as basic member, guest, and host, and admin, these are all people. These are all in the people. Uh, table essentially yes and then they all they all have um just different different modif uh different uh type so yeah let's change this around i don't like the con a lot of people would combine those tables and make instead one user table that has both the rows of each user but then also some kind of column that says type and it would have this data Right. Oh, but you want to extract it and do a, um, a just a number association. Yeah, that's fine. I think we should just have a co- common table for people, and the reason for that is because there's going to be at times where we literally are just like, you know, shove shove an array of people into an episode. Like we don't really care about the role. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. well, we do care about the role, but we can extract mm-hmm. it more. That's is fine. You're idea? right though, because what if there's more people? Sure. What if we have more? Okay, roles? so let's just this. Yeah, you're right. You got it. This doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be in the database. This can be like something that's built on the fly. Well, it could I be think its, its own. Just I mean, it could me literally up. be its its own row, or yeah, its own row where it's like the roles that we have are visitor, basic member, guest, host, admin, and those are associated with one, two, three, four, five, six, and then we can add more roles if we want to, and then we can right, just associate like, those. That's true, but like we don't. The, I like to oftentimes what you're exactly describing. I often will put that enum on the the, the oh. table that wants the foreign key, and then I will create this as a class, like in memory, mm. and then it will take a person and then get their enum on that row, and then map it to some kind of thing like this, and then give them access to permissions throughout the app. And what that does okay. is it puts less uh, strain on the database for sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially after dealing with that whole like DDoS thing. Like now I'm like hypersensitive to database locking and like thread. (laughs) And well, they call it pools. So like every database has a max pool of people that can connect. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. That makes sense to me. So let's take this conversation one step further and maybe after that wrap up, if, if we're trying to not talk about it any longer. But 
So how does this model apply to a user that one day will be given permissions to make his own show on this network? Is that possible? Does that mean we just simply escalate the user yet another role from perhaps maybe they get friendly with our network, maybe they go on guests, you know, appearances, then they mm-hmm. get up to guest, then they go on a few, then they want to make their own show, so they talk to us, then they get up to host. And then as they get up, I guess maybe functionality just magically is unlocked. Well, it depends on how we want to do permissions, right? If we do permissions based on roles, then um, that would work. If we do, well, I mean, it would work either way, but we could also do permissions based on actions and restrict restrict access, access based on actions, not on roles. So I was thinking about doing it both ways, right? Like, so let's just mock up an example here. So we have a show, and then let's say that there's a create podcast method, right? So let's define that method real quick. So we define create podcast. So let's return if not a host, right? So it's like here we're restricting it by the action, which is based on the role. Okay. So we're restricting act. Sorry, we're restricting actions based on roles. Yes. Is okay. that kind of what you were thinking? Nope, that, yeah, so that would be role-based. Okay, so what were you, what, what is the other way? The other way would be right. action-based. Like, Can you mock up what that would look like? I don't, I don't quite get it. Sure, so there could be a permissions table, and we could assign permissions to a user. So maybe we could, maybe if there's a guest that we want to be able to create shows, we could just go into his account and say, assign this guest uh, to be able to create create podcasts and then in your class you'd be like does the user have the permission to create a podcast so that is more complicated so i feel like that way creates a number of things on this layer whereas the role way creates a few things on this layer and a bunch on this layer like this like you know, a role is nothing but a grouping of what you just described. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a lot of level one actions and they're not grouped, then we're going to have a ton of if-else statements. So so the um, the only reason to do action-based permissions is if your, if your roles don't progress in a linear way. So ours do, and so we could very easily do, do that. Do they? Yeah, I think so. Visitor, basic, member, guest, host, admin. So uh, can you can you break it down for me a little bit more? I feel like I and the listeners could be confused on this. So w- w- sure. why – give me an example of roles that aren't linear-based that would benefit from this action. Per- I've never heard of this. This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So with with our roles here, you want – it's natural that the – next role up the chain would have all of the same permissions as the previous role oh okay so the role in front of the role that you're on must contain all the permissions from the role but so all roles must contain permissions from the role below it right and okay that's an assumption perfect sense yeah that's right but if there was a case where that where that didn't happen for whatever reason and it would depend on the app that you're building then then you would have to go with an actions maybe you could do role and action but you could do action specific um, deals uh, action specific permissions where you could you could actually articulate well these these there's five sets of action these three a b and c belong to um, this person should have those, but this other person who maybe is in a similar role, but not necessarily above or below, would maybe have 
you know, CDE permissions. So this is like, there's like a, an, a field, if the field has some stuff in it, then give, start giving them access to all these things. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Um, wait, so what? So like the user like has some items in a field, right? Like properties. And we call that podcast IDs. If there are some, then we want to give them access to this stuff. If there are no items in that array, then we don't. Is, mm-hmm. is that kind of what you're talking about? Like this action concept? Sure. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. But I mean, it depends on what's what's in there. Right, right. So here that we've decided, okay, well, if they have podcast IDs, I guess they must be a host, quote unquote. And that means they can manage podcasts, can okay. manage episodes, can do all this other stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's actually so, really interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, I used the, this idea for the self-storage um, web app that I built to manage uh, leads and some internal processes. And mm-hmm. um, it needed us, you know, I... I considered doing just role-based, but there were situations where some roles weren't, it wasn't a linear progression and I had to break it out into this other action-based permissions. So here would be an example of combining. So imagine that there's a, a join table from people to role that gets an admin and then there's also this code. But pretend that instead of saying if user.admin, it says if um, something else, right? Mm. Like, you know, we combine these two. Mm. So here we can just say, you know, if the user Mm. has a role of this, then here are the actions. Otherwise, if the user has a role of X, here are some actions, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, Yes, exactly. And then, well... It would be specific. I think it would be better to do it specific for each person. So if this person, um, well, when you're creating the user, you say, "Oh, this person has the role of of host," and then it automatically applies the standard permissions for that host. But then it gives you the option to either add or remove permissions from that set of actions. Mm-hmm. But all that to say. This is a simple enough uh, app, and I think that there is a linear progression that we can totally do this based on the on the role, and we don't have to worry about actions. Okay. So one aspect of this whole domain-specific language thing is I'm not going to yet include any terms for selling podcast ads. Uh, mm-hmm. So like those snippets of code that I just showed you, all of those like terms like ad spot inventory, all that stuff, like all of those terms I'm leaving out of this because I'm going to assume that we're starting without any advertisement. And okay. if we get to the point where our network is entirely supported by ads, then we can build another version that integrates a whole other layer of domain specific language, right? right. We're going to have to, if we decide to go that route, you know, and build a custom solution for that, then it's a whole big thing that you know it's like a version three type thing okay Um, and that's fine we haven't decided right and we don't even think that's what we want to do right so right although you know there is another term here that we haven't um added which is i guess probably because we're mixing up formats here but we have this concept of a donation usually Mm. in in the in the media world right yeah and so we could, I mean, would that be just a simple field or a couple of fields on the show itself? So so now that we've written the term, let's figure out how it would map. So um, 
it would be show show specific. Yeah, you could donate to a specific show. What I'm thinking is, I mean, we don't even really have to build donations into our back end. We could just integrate with um, what what we do at, at the company is we just integrate with um, Gumroad and we create a little Gumroad banner for each show with the show mm. logo. And then we just put a link on the uh, page that says donate and then they click it and then they have a list of episodes of shows they can choose to donate to and they click that and it launches the modal with the little Gumroad donation thing and right and and there's a ton of services that do that right yeah okay so we could choose to totally keep that out and then think of yeah donations as a web service yeah let's so it would be a it would be a down it would be down here then so you have a new service so uh Mm. user donates and then this calls uh some kind of web service that does donation you know as i'm as as we're thinking about this um and designing the structure of the application itself and um, thinking about interactions and conversations and things, I think that the most compelling part of this, and I'm coming back to it, um, it's that idea of of inline comments by, um, by listeners. It I think it is... A compelling, yeah. a compelling conversation. I mean, a, a platform... I'm super stoked about it. I want to see it in action. I've never seen... I don't think I've really ever seen anything like that. So StageBlock does that. StageBlock. Um, so that's the place... It, you're not going to find a good example, though, unfortunately. StageBlock is just a platform. So that's the place that... That's the platform that we use to build our networks. So what's funny is on StageBlock's back end, the concept of a post, a text post, is the same... Uh, so if I want to make an audio post, uh, and then give the fans the ability to talk about it, I have to like hack, uh, go like do some hacky stuff to mm-hmm. get it to show up like in a forum because they want everything to show up in line. Like, oh, fan content is basically the same as, as your content. So it's like all kind of the same. Woo. And mm. like, it's, it's cool and everything, but we built it in a really we we went with a traditional form right like our we came to a different conclusion than what me and you me and you are coming to hmm. um and I, I i i like the one that we're coming to for what it's worth so any other terms before we jump off this i guess that any other terms that we're missing shows episodes people publication generate rss as far as table structure goes episodes is technically going to be posts right Oh yeah, sorry. I I didn't. Uh, I mean, you were organizing. You were yeah, reorganizing organizing some stuff here, right? things. So um, let's let's just lock this down real quick before we move on. So how is this going to work? So uh, in the so as far as the database is concerned, yeah, we don't get to use the typical. Uh, we don't get to use the domain um, domain specific language only because we're. We're moving, um, we're providing functionality outside of that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, posts, types, uh, posts, and then the types can be audio, video, text. Um, and then the audio is set up as a, an episode type deal. Okay. Presented. So, yeah, like an audio type allows us to do like unique things, but then, or sorry, generic things. And then on the front end, if we really wanted to, we can always present audio types as episodes in the language. And copy, right? And then, 
do we want to have uh, in the database a concept of comments, or do you think that any that everything should be thought of in terms of posts? It's a good question because it could um, just be a text post. Yeah, that's what I was thinking originally. Because um, so so there's a so this is there's a term for this, right? So this is called. I believe this is called single table inheritance. So so we'll have classes for each of these. There will be like an audio post class, a video post class, a text post class. But they'll all be stored in the same table called posts. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this is this is just one way to do it. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so in, in that case, say a user goes to an audio post, what we call an episode, they want to then click a button that says comment. What happens? We uh, make a, we display a form. It's just a text post form, very basic text post class renders a form off mm-hmm. of itself. Yep. And then uh, that form, they fill it in. It just has one thing, maybe a title and a description or just the description. I think just, I think just the description. Body. Yeah. The yeah. body or content. And, and, and then they post that to the server. The caveat here is that they're already logged in. This is for okay. this is for um, registered users only. Now you can, registered users. of course, you can register for free, of course. Yes. But if you're anonymous, then they can't do it. Right. And I think if you're anonymous, then you don't you don't by default. Maybe that's the differentiator here. By default, you don't see any of the extra community content. Sure. By default. So here's the interesting thing. How do we? So the user clicks. So. So you know how like below most things that are commentable, there's like a little comment form already. Like you don't usually have to click something that says, I want to comment. It's just like already there. What we can do is when we generate that comment form that every user will see inside of that comment form, we'll just put a hidden field for the The entity ID. So there will be a, a hidden field for the entity ID that the post relates to. So parent, if the post parent yeah, ID, the par- or something. oh okay, yeah. I mean, let's consider what it's called later. But yeah, yeah. exactly, parent ID, whatever. So um, I'm not going to write that down. That's obvious. Uh, so, but th- does that mean that? Hmm. So at some level, any type of post can also have any. Um, any child posts that could be audio, video, and text, or yeah. are child posts only text? No, I was I was thinking making it super generic. So a post can have a relationship to anything, okay. um, as long as it's another post, right? So it's a you know, so it's like uh, okay, well I can have, um, uh, and and that's just th- that's the good thing about doing this with this model called posts is because we don't have to create a relationship. If something has many of itself, you don't create a relationship for that. It just happens magically. And here we have many of ourselves potentially in different types, which is very nice because we can do all this in the, in the code in the business logic. So we can say, you know, any post can have many audio posts, video posts, text posts. And when you make a post of any of these types, if it has a parent ID of another post, mm-hmm. uh, which it is, can only have a parent ID of another post, then uh, then it just automatically gets associated. And then we have some kind of render logic that says, yeah. you know, if a post has a child, display it like indented or whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, and then we should have some sort of limit on how, how deep you can come. Yeah, yeah. We'll do uh, five or six or something. Yeah, some some amount of levels. I, I want to build the UI now. <laughs> it is interesting. 
So this, okay, so you being motivated to do the UI is perfect, right? So what we can do, uh, not right this second, but when we do get to the point of doing mock-ups, which I guess will be next week or something like that, then right. we can, then you'll be super stoked because we can start mm-hmm. mocking this up, right? Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. That's it for today. You can find our show notes again at starthere.fm slash webdev slash 16. And stop by the, the website. We'd love to, love to hang out and, and chat. You can leave some comments there. Yeah, and we love we love talking to you guys. So we love the comments. Uh, we love five-star reviews on iTunes. We love all of that. And we wanted to mention a few of the comments here. We've got some comments from Marcus, from Bobby, from Kevin, from Randy, from Keith Murphy, from Kenneth. A bunch of people here that have been commenting over the past few weeks just about their uh, journey into web development. And if they're, you know, we've had some comments from newbies and we've had some comments from more intermediate members that are just yeah. here to sort of express their opinions and what got them started and their appreciation and we 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 love the sort of community vibe that we're building in on the site so definitely go over there and check it out yeah you might find value in some of those comments totally so you can find me on twitter at keith mon and you can reach me over email dane at starthere.fm cool so thanks for listening guys we'll catch you next time